0: I want to wrap up by focusing on walking in the light. That's the title of my message today. You know, we often speak of the promise of Jesus regarding an abundant life. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And one of the things that he is daily seeking to destroy is our consistency. He seeks to distract us from keeping our focus on Jesus. How many of you have experienced that? Has he distracted you even this week? He's he's done it to me too. But Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd who cares for the sheep, who keeps watch over them, who guards them from destruction, who lays down his life for them all for the purpose of providing for them an abundant life. And, you know, while we love to quote those scriptures, Jesus reminds us that sheep enjoy the abundant life and the provision of the shepherd because they know his voice and they follow it. That means that if you and me want to partake of the abundant life, we have to consistently hear the voice of the shepherd and follow it. Only in that way can we be led into the fullness of his will. So as we close the series, I want to just really hope that all of us will carry the messages that we've been hearing into the new year with the understanding that the greatest need that we have is not just a one-time grand miracle, but it's also the reward of seeing the evidence of his faithfulness to us in the everyday coming and going of life, that we would consistently hear his voice and walk in his light. See, Jesus is constantly pursuing us, and he asks for our consistent pursuit of him. Let's pray. Lord, as we come into your presence today, we thank you that we come to the good shepherd. We thank you that you desire to speak to us. We thank you, Lord, that you desire to care for us. And Lord, you're so faithful to every day pursue after our hearts. And today I pray that we we would have a pursuit in our heart for you, Jesus. For the good shepherd who leads us, by still waters, into green pastures. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today of how we can seek after you and walk in the light. So I believe that one of the ideas that keeps us from consistency is that of accomplishment. See, we live in a society that measures success by accomplishment. And though there are things that God wants us to accomplish, the daily aim of our relationship with God is not to put a check mark next to our spiritual disciplines to-do list. The goal is to walk with Jesus. The aim is to have fellowship with Jesus. It's to acknowledge our need of Jesus. It's to depend on Jesus, and it's to delight in Jesus. And that's why we pray. And that's why we read the word. And that's why we gather. That's why we fast. And if that is our aim, to delight in Jesus, then consistent, consistency will take on a very different meaning. Instead of a burden of, oh, I gotta pray again today, or oh, I gotta be in the word again today, or oh, I gotta get up again and go to church today. It becomes a means to embracing the lover of your soul. Amen? Walking in the light is about recognizing that we can receive help, we can receive guidance, we can be led into the will of God. We can be led into the blessings of God. It's a, yes, I can receive something from Jesus today. And so when we turn from walking in the light, what we're doing is we're stopping recognizing our source of help. We stop recognizing our source of direction, our source of provision for the peace that our soul needs the joy that we long for, that sense of hope and acceptance, that sense of value and worth. And so sometimes we feel hopeless not because hope isn't available or because hope is absent, but rather we have stopped or have been inconsistent in coming to the source of hope, Jesus Sometimes we may feel confused, not because clarity isn't available or not because clarity is absent, but because we have stopped or have been inconsistent in coming to the source of direction for our life, Jesus. And so we move our eyes and our feet from following the light, Jesus. And we begin to look and therefore walk away from his provision. Another hindrance to our consistency is our lack of need. See, it's easy to be consistent in your pursuit when you need something from God, right? It's when we perceive that everything is going well for us in life that we let go of consistency, which is really just letting go of the hand of Jesus and choosing instead to walk in our own light and in our own understanding. If you turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, I want to examine here this prayer that Paul prays for the church at Colossae and consider now how we can adopt it as a means to remind us to stay dependent, to keep looking to Jesus and to keep walking in the light. So Paul says, for this reason, Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, I love reading Paul's prayers for the churches. And this one is so rich and so beautiful. In fact, it may be a good practice for you to adopt to begin to read through the prayers of Paul and maybe use them as a guide for your own time of prayer. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff he prays here for us that maybe you've not been praying for yourself. Today, I think you'll start. In this one, in Colossians, Paul prays some very specific and practical things for us as believers. So let's take a look at them and see how they can spur us to pursue walking in the light. First of all, he prays that they will be filled with knowledge of God's will through wisdom and understanding. Raise your hand if you've ever prayed for God to reveal his will to you. Yep, me too. Okay? Perhaps you've asked when you've had to make a decision about a career change or acting on an investment opportunity or maybe moving to a different place. And so Paul here prays, he recognizes we all have a need to know the will of God. And he prays here that we would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. However, he realizes that it's not enough to just know the will of God. We must have wisdom to recognize the will of God and understanding to accomplish it. So, have you simply been praying for God to reveal His will? Or are you also praying For the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and understanding so that you can effectively do the will of God. See, that's what Paul's praying here. Are you asking the Lord to equip you and develop you to be able to do his will? Our ability to be effective in kingdom work is critical if we're going to draw men to Jesus Christ. And so whatever God's will may be for you, we always have to remember it's not just about you, but it's about the kingdom purpose attached to it, right? And so perhaps that's why at times God seems slow to reveal his will to us. See, our motive in wanting to know the will of God has to be purified, has to be purified from selfishness from, the, from you know, the idol of control, of am I going to agree with the will of God, right? And it has to be conformed to the desire of the Spirit, which is to glorify the Father. And so this is why Paul doesn't just pray for the Colossians to know the will of God. He prays that they would know how to handle the will of God. We need wisdom and understanding to do the good works he's created for us to do. And so you walk in the light as you pray for the knowledge of his will, but not just the knowledge, but the wisdom and the understanding to walk in it. Amen? Secondly, Paul prays that they would live worthy of the Lord and please him. The wording that Paul uses here I find interesting because he says that they would live worthy. See, Paul isn't praying that we would be worthy of the Lord's love or of his pleasure. Because of Jesus, we've been made worthy. Amen? Worthy of his love, worthy of his acceptance. Because of Jesus, The blood has cleansed us of our unworthiness and has made us right with God. So here, Paul doesn't pray about us living to attain worth before God. That's something that's been granted to us in Jesus. However, he does pray that we would live worthy of that love. Amen? And so what does that mean practically? It means that we are now to behave and make choices that line up with who we are in Christ. If we were a liar, we are to put off lying and put on truth. If we were angry, we are to put off anger and put on self-control. If we were greedy, we are to put off greed and put on generosity remembering that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, meaning it doesn't have authority over us anymore, meaning we now have the ability to reject the work of darkness in our life. Before Jesus, you didn't have that power, but now you have that power. So for you to go back to walking in the ways of the past is to reject the gift of God. Now, this is a process, right? We have to learn to put off the ways of the past. We learn and grow in our resistance to temptation. And we grow in walking in truth. So what Paul is praying is that we would be consistent in our pursuit of conformity to Jesus. That we would be consistent in in the pursuit of the worthy life, the life that exemplifies Jesus and receives every provision of salvation. We receive the forgiveness of sins and also the deliverance of the hold of sin over our lives, recognizing we've been set free from its dominion. So you walk in the light as you live worthy, of the Lord and choose to please him. Thirdly, he prays that they would bear fruit in every work. Now, having an eternal purpose or perspective means that you can consistently work for the Lord. Your daily work of clocking in, clocking out, responding to emails, or sitting in meetings that could have been an email, or doing chores, running a business, chauffeuring your kids all over town. That is every work. And in every work, whether that work be spiritual, such as fasting, prayer, gathering, or natural work, work that that your hands have to be applied to, Paul prays that every work would bear fruit. Your daily work can glorify God. See, your cheerful disposition toward that grumpy co-worker can glorify God. Your peaceful attitude in a chaotic work environment glorifies Jesus your integrity, and your business dealings, all of this is every work. And all of it is fruit of the life of what Paul says we are, an heir of the kingdom of light. And that fruit can be used by God to draw people to Jesus. So listen, every work matters. And so pray that every work you do will be fruitful. You walk in the light as you bear fruit in every work. Fourth, Paul prays that they would grow in the knowledge of God, which seems kind of like, well, don't I already know God? But see, we can grow beyond knowing about God to knowing who God is intimately. And so Paul says, that he and prays that we would have an intimate knowledge of God, a knowledge of him personally, not just an intellectual understanding of who God is, but a relational knowledge. See, if you're married in this room, you understand that your spouse is probably the only person on the planet that knows exactly what you're thinking, exactly what you're feeling, even without saying a word, okay? Like my mom used to tell me when I was a little kid, she still does actually, 41 years old, my mom still tells me this, change your face. Why? Because she could read everything on my face, right? And Chad can too, like he knows the faces of Michelle Craig and what they mean. So why does this happen? It's because the knowledge that your spouse has of you, your dreams, your quirks, your ambitions, your insecurities, have all deepened and developed through years of daily interactions and daily conversations. And so when Paul prays for us to grow in the knowledge of God, he's talking about you having daily interactions and daily conversations that lead you to a depth of understanding God's nature and his heart, so much so that you can instinctively know what pleases God and what displeases God. See, I have an instinct of what pleases Chad or what doesn't. I have an instinct. For example, I have an instinct that I am not going to ask Chad to go shopping with me at Target. He's not pleased by that. (laughs) He's like, yeah, no, that's, mm mm-mm. But I also have an instinct that if Kentucky's playing basketball down the road and I buy him some tickets for that game, he's going to be really pleased with me, okay? I don't have to ask him. I instinctively know. I also instinctively know what's going to offend him. That's why your spouse can hurt you more than anybody else, right? Because they know you shouldn't be doing that. You know that hurts me. And so as you walk in the light, you grow to know by instinct what pleases the Lord. It's what we call knowing in our spirit. Okay? You can know in your spirit to not go to that place. You can go in your spirit, know in your spirit to not stay in that relationship. You can know in your spirit to... Not waste that opportunity. You can know in your spirit that if there is a need, God wants me to fill that need. You can know in your spirit what pleases God. And this is important because, listen, it's easy to walk in the light when you're in your prayer closet by yourself. It's easy to walk in the light when you're sitting in the comfort of your home on the couch reading the word. But when you get out of your house, out of your place of prayer, you have to know by the Spirit what pleases God. You have to know by the Spirit at the hangout with friends, at at the movie theater, how to please God with your eyes, with your mind, with the steps that you're taking, how to guard your mouth from speaking things that are dishonoring to God. You have to know those things by the Spirit. Because in those moments, God isn't necessarily going to speak a word to you. But because you have had daily interactions, daily conversations with Jesus, you can know by the Spirit how to please Him. And so Paul prays that you would walk in the light as you grow in your knowledge of God. He prays that we would be strengthened with power. Who can agree in this room that we need the power of God? Amen? Consistency, listen, requires power. Okay? If you rely on your own willingness, you will lack inconsistency. Right? Right? Because at 6.30 in the morning, I'm telling you, your body does not want to pray. So you need power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to stay consistent. So begin by confession. Say, Lord, I need you. I need your power today. I need your power every day, in every situation. And then allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with power. Power to pray. Words to pray. The alertness of mind to stay awake in the study of the word. You need power to forgive. You need power to ask for forgiveness. You need power to speak truth. You need power to repent. You need power to resist temptation. You need power to lay down your pride. You need power to give up your will. You need power to not be led by your emotions and your feelings. You need power to not depend on your own understanding. You need power to exercise faith. You need power to not fear. You need power to cast off lies. You need power to take thoughts captive. You need power to love. You need power to remain faithful to Jesus. You need power to obey. You need power to walk in the light. And walking in the light is walking in His power. Amen? So confess. Say, God, I need power. Holy Spirit, fill me with your power. Because I want to please you. But I can't do it on my own. I need power. Paul prays that we would have endurance and patience. Yes, we need that too. To walk in the light, you will need endurance and patience. I love how he relates those two things. Because what he's telling us is that this is a long walk. It's a long walk. Your feet are going to get tired. Your back's going to hurt. you're going to want to get there want to get to the end and Paul prays for endurance and patience Jesus was very clear thank God he was that in this life we will have trouble it's not an easy walk with Jesus however Jesus is walking with you So there will be hardships of life. We're going to have hardships in our relationships, in our work, in the pursuits and endeavors that we are uh, seeking to, to do. There will be hardships of faith. You know, as we put off the ways of the past, as we submit our will to the will of God, sometimes that's difficult to do, to surrender things that Jesus asks of you that you feel like, should I really give that up? As we learn to trust and obey him, as God begins to work out of us what he has placed in us through transforming our hearts and renewing our minds, there will be hardships. There will be hardships in serving Jesus. We will be confronted with areas of our own pride, areas of self-sufficiency that God wants to break us of. And in all of these hardships, we have to look to the light in the face of Jesus. See, he is the one who sustains. He is the one who transforms. He is the one who gives strength And so when the process and the walk is slow and it's hard and it's painful, in those times, you're going to be tempted to question the way of God. You're going to be tempted to fear. You're going to be tempted to doubt the plan of God. And in those times, the only way that you can remain consistent Is because of your intimate knowledge of God's nature, because you've proved Him to be faithful. Okay? So in those times, you can be confident that though He feels far off, though He seems really quiet and really still, He is not. He is near, He is working. He is active in your life. He cares and he is concerned. And he asks that you would continue to pursue him. Continue to trust and continue to praise. Continue to pray and serve because in due season he promises that you will reap the harvest, amen? In these times, you have to take a look at the cross of Jesus See, the plan of God for our redemption required of Jesus endurance and patience. It required him to endure suffering. And he had to exercise patience to receive the promise, which is you and me, our salvation, the ability to adopt us into the kingdom of light. And so endurance and patience come as we keep looking in the light of the face of Jesus. Remember, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews says to us, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He cons- so consider him who endured, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Walking in the light is walking with endurance and patience because the walk is long. Amen? Paul finally prays that we would give thanks joyfully. He prays that we would be consistent in giving thanks with joy. See, every day we have a reason to offer thanksgiving to the Lord. And every day we can experience joy as we delight in his presence. But it's a choice that you have to make. The psalmist said to enter his gates with thanksgiving, to enter his courts with praise. You have to make that choice. God won't push you to praise him. He won't push you to thank him. You enter in. You offer the praise. You offer the thanksgiving. And listen, it's important because when life gets messy, if we look at our circumstances, we might be tempted to think, to think there is nothing to give praise for. Life can become so heavy sometimes that if we sit under that heaviness, the enemy will try to convince you that you have no reason to thank God. And so you have to choose to put on or in your mouth a song of praise, a word of thanksgiving to the Lord. See, praise and thanksgiving is what fortifies you to do battle. It's what strengthens you and builds up your courage to keep on walking the long road with Jesus. Thanksgiving and praise is you telling the devil that his days are numbered and reminding him that he can't win in your life. He can try, but he can't win. And so we walk in the light as we faithfully give thanks to God for His consistent faithfulness to us. Amen? And listen, Paul prays all of these things because the sacrifice of Jesus has provided for us what we could never provide for ourselves. And this provision requires a response from us, a daily response. We begin through the response of repentance and faith. And the product of that response is our salvation. And Paul says that in that gift of salvation, we have been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. You get to share in Jesus's inheritance for you. That means you get to share in his power, in his ability, and everything that he has, he shares with you. So don't believe the lie of the enemy that you don't have what it takes to walk with Jesus. You're a co-heir with Christ. You've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. you got to begin to speak that over your life and over the enemy. When you feel like he has power over you, you remind him, I've been set free from the dominion of darkness. You've been brought into the kingdom of the Son. You're no longer a slave You're no longer, you know, considered by the Lord unrighteous. You are now a kingdom child, a child of light. You've been redeemed, bought back by the blood of Jesus, and your sins have been forgiven. And so because of Jesus' work in your life, listen, he is worthy of your consistent pursuit of him. Amen. And you've got to keep that as the aim behind your pursuit. I am praying because I pursue Jesus. I am fasting to pursue you, Jesus. I am worshiping to love you, Jesus. Everything that I'm doing, all of these disciplines, Lord, I do it because I pursue your heart. Amen. Walking in the light is walking to pursue Jesus. And then in Ephesians 5, Paul exhorts us, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. The fruit of your salvation is entrance into a new kingdom. And it's a new identity as a child of light. Therefore, we are to live as children of light. It's why Jesus asks for your consistency. See? It's because this is now your identity. Walking in the light is who you are. Being a child of light is who you are. Finding out what pleases the Lord is your aim. And so Paul identifies the fruit of walking in the light as consisting of three things. First, he says, as you walk in the light, you know what you begin to see in your life? Goodness. Goodness. Walking in the light produces goodness, and it testifies to those around you of the work of God in your life. Not of something that, you're doing, that you've done for yourself, but of what Jesus is doing in you as you walk with him. He produces in you goodness. That means a life of purity, of purity in your, th- in your thought life, purity in your walking purity and not indulging your flesh through any kind of immorality sexual immorality or excess in your life but you're living pure before the Lord you goodness means living a giving life because Jesus is a giver you are a giver you're not being ruled by greed Goodness means living a life of self-control. That you're not allowing your flesh to rule over you, but you, through the Spirit, rule over your flesh. You're using your mouth to speak good things, to speak truth, to give life to others by the Word of God. That is the fruit of walking in the light. That there is more goodness radiating out of your life today than there was three months ago because you've been consistent in your pursuit of Jesus. He also says that the fruit is righteousness, and here he's talking about not attaining righteousness but being skilled in righteousness, understanding that you have a position before God of being right, therefore you can do right. Because the Spirit of God empowers you to do right. And so as you walk with Jesus, you begin to radiate the righteousness of the kingdom of God. It's something that is produced in you as you have that consistent walk with Jesus, of him pointing out areas of your life that he wants to heal and change and restore Paul also says that the fruit of walking in the light is that you walk in truth. Listen, in this day and age, truth is what? That's truth? What was wrong is now right? Wow. And so the enemy is out to confuse a whole generation, right? And so we, as children of life, must walk in truth. We've got to have truth that radiating out of our life that we put away falsehood that we expose the lies of the enemy that we expose the way he's wanting to deceive people that we acknowledge sin for what it is and we combat it by the word of God that we are confident in what this book says to us that God is truth that his word is truth and because we are children of light We are being led in truth. Amen? Walking in the light means growing in consistency. And you receive the fruit of consistency as evidenced by goodness, righteousness, and truth. As I was studying this week, I came upon this quote that says, Pleasing God demands separation from sin and leads to personal revival and illumination that is what god desires for you when he commands your consistency he wants you to live in personal revival and in illumination never having to be concerned about what way do i go if you're held, holding to the hand of jesus you don't have to figure that out he's leading you you don't have to figure out if this door is right, if that door is wrong, if this way is good, if that way is is not, if you're walking with the light, you're being led into truth and you're living in personal revival day by day because you're meeting with Jesus and he's speaking to you and loving on you and you're loving on him in return. Listen, consistency is not to burden you. It's to revive you and to keep you always living in his light. Bandy, you can go ahead and come up. The last thing that keeps us from consistency is failure. We have all failed at being consistent. And so we are vulnerable when we fail to believe the lie of the enemy that says, You can't start again. And the danger of this is that it leads you to a state of complacency. And listen, the devil is not threatened by a complacent Christian. See, listen, he would rather you be complacent than consistent. Why? He would rather you settle for just coming to church on Sunday getting a little encouragement for one hour, and then the rest of the week, you feel like you can't come before God because you can't question God. You can't be honest with Him about your doubts. You can't be honest with Him about your fears and your issues. And so instead of you being consistent, you just become complacent. Well, I went to church, so I'm good with Jesus. And see, listen, he wants to keep you in in complacency because he knows if you start getting into a place of consistency, you will, you can become submitted to Jesus. Your mind will start thinking like Jesus. You'll start loving like Jesus because you'll get healed from the pain of the past. You'll get delivered from bondages of the past. You'll get God's vision and purpose for your life. You'll start believing God for more. You'll walk by the Spirit and you'll start walking in authority. You'll start walking under the anointing of God. You'll get power to share the gospel. You'll get power to pray for people and see God set them free. You'll get power to destroy the works of the devil in your life. And he doesn't want that for you. So he says, just be complacent believe the lie that you failed God so many times there's no way you can start again so just come to church every once in a while to make your to quiet your your you know to quiet your spirit but then don't start believing God's word don't start believing his goodness for you don't start believing that he has a purpose for your life don't start believing that he has power for you don't start from believing that he has a calling and an anointing for your life. Don't you do that. Don't you start believing that he actually loves you and he has more for you. If you do that, you'll start being a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And so he doesn't want you in consistency. And listen, that's exactly why when it comes to consistency, you must refuse to give up. You've got to refuse to give up. And you've got to say, no, 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 no. I want everything God has for me. Everything Jesus purchased, I want it. I want the power. I want the anointing. I want the calling. I want my life to count. I want my life to set people free. I want my mouth to speak truth. I want my feet to walk in the light of God. And so I'm going to refuse to give up. I'm going into my place of prayer ready to love on Jesus and ready to let him love on me ready to leave that place of prayer armed with the power of God, armed with the truth of God's word to defeat every enemy that comes against me. Amen? You do that over and over and over and you see how God will begin to move you from just barely making it through the day to overcoming and enjoying the abundant life that Jesus Died for you to have. Listen, it's a worthy pursuit. And don't get confused. Don't forget that God's acceptance of you isn't based on your performance. Consistency exists to serve your relationship with God, it's not to hinder you, it serves to keep you in a rhythm of walking in the light. In 1 John 1, 7, we read, If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Listen, the aim is fellowship. The aim is delighting in the presence of the King. The aim is to wash His feet And dry them with your hair. The aim is to pour oil on Jesus. And if that's what you're seeking today. He says come. And receive. If you're seeking a deeper relationship. With the one who rescued you. You just come. Consistently. Or after three months of not being consistent, it doesn't matter. He's still there. If you're hungering to be satisfied, He is still the bread of life. If you don't know Jesus, He wants you to come. He is the light of the world. He is the way to the Father. He is the way to deliver you from the dominion of darkness. And to bring you into a kingdom of light. He wants to bring you out of your sin, out of your striving. He wants to bring you into a kingdom where every provision for your spirit, soul, and body is available. And when you fall off the consistency wagon, so to speak, God still calls you a child of light. He still calls you His beloved. He doesn't change His mind about the work that He's done in your life. So you can start today to change your definition of what those disciplines mean. You put off the notion that spiritual disciplines are a burdensome to-do list and instead you regard them as an act of love to Jesus. When I pray, I'm loving on Jesus. When I gather, I am loving on Jesus. When I'm fasting, I am loving on Jesus. And in return, He's arming me. Arming me with authority. Arming me with power to resist the enemy. And I get to leave that place of prayer to see the enemy flee. Amen? Stand to your feet and let's pray. Father God, we worship you today. We thank you for every gift that you have given us through Jesus. And Lord, we do begin to pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will. God, that we would have wisdom and understanding to do your will to be effective workers in the kingdom of light. We pray that you would fill us with power to live worthy of the Lord, to please you, to bear fruit in every work that our hand has to do. Lord, we pray that we would grow in intimate knowledge of you. God, that we would not just be satisfied with just knowing of what you've done in someone else's life, what you did in the scriptures, but Lord, knowing who you are in our life. That you are the good shepherd. That you are the love of our souls. That you are the bread of life. Lord, we want to grow in knowing you. God, we want to be strengthened with power. We want to have endurance and patience. Lord, keep us from letting go of the hand of Jesus. Lord, we refuse to give up. We understand the cost behind giving up. It's the cost of not doing your work, of not being effective, of letting the enemy win and Lord, we refuse to do that. So we ask for your power to fill us Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.